This podcast is intended to uplift, inspire, and in some cases, educate you on how to create a life that feels good. I am not a health professional, and the information and advice shared on this show should not be taken in replacement for any information or direction given to you by a healthcare professional. If you or someone you know is struggling with your health or mental well-being, please reach out to a healthcare professional in your area. For more information and resources on mental health support, please visit laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash mental health or see the link in the show notes. Hi there, I'm Laura, a teacher turned creator, and this is Fill Up Your Cup, the podcast with a mission to help you feel inspired, motivated, and empowered to show up for yourself and create a life that feels good. We're putting the personal back in personal development as we navigate this journey of self-awareness, self-compassion, and growth together. Because together, And with the right mindset, we are all capable of change and living a life that truly fills us up. Welcome to Fill Up Your Cup, Michael. I am so excited to have you on the podcast and talk to you about your amazing book today. So welcome. Thank you so much, Laura. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And um, I've come today with a full cup of tea. So um, my cup is full and I can't wait to share a cup of tea with you and um, get to meet your awesome community of listeners. Thank you so much for having me here today. I actually have my cup just topped up before I jumped on as well. So this really is a full cup episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I always like to start off by asking my guests to introduce themselves, um, to share a little bit about their story and what they do. So introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do, Michael. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Michael and I'm a medical doctor. I'm out in California. Um, I work as a pain management specialist, and I'm also a researcher studying the emotion of awe. That's the the experience of amazement and wonder in the world. Um, and I was um, brought into the world of mindfulness and, and personal growth at a pretty young age. I suffered from anxiety as um, a teenager and I wanted to be a doctor since I was a little boy. And so as I got farther in my education and I had to take the, the bigger tests, you know, tests to get into college, tests to get into medical school, I started to experience worse anxiety, uh, panic attacks. And a friend introduced me to mindfulness. And I was like at a point in my life where I was like, either going to have to take medication to manage my anxiety or to find a way to naturally work with my mind. And um I did a my first uh, ten day retreat, probably when I was about twenty two, and I just fell in love with the practice. I mean, it wasn't easy um, to develop a deep, uh, sustained mindfulness practice. And over the years, I eventually got trained as a mindfulness teacher. Um, uh, after completing my two year training program, then started a, a meditation group in my community, and been teaching mindfulness to my chronic pain patients 
to hundreds of them over the years. So it's, it's been a big part of my life. Um, about five years ago, I had a conversation who, uh, with my co-author, Jake Eagle. Um, I've known Jake for about 16 years. I, I actually was introduced to him um, originally as a therapist who I started seeing after I went through divorce um, in my early 30s. And Jake and I had kept in touch over the years. He and his wife, Hannah, lead wonderful retreats. They're just incredible teachers um, in the personal growth space. And Jake and I had had a conversation how we both experienced so many of our patients or students have struggled to keep a sustained mindfulness practice. And even just finding five to 10 minutes a day to sit and focus the mind is so hard for people in this busy world and connected world that we live in with all these devices that are constantly grabbing our attention. And so we decided to start to explore this idea of finding like what would be that ideal brief mindfulness practice that would bring you into that state of what the Buddha talks about is a sort of an experience of nirvana, like a state of timelessness, uh, an experience of deep peace, of joy, of relaxation, of pure presence. And we stumbled upon the emotion of awe and and found this practice to bring people into the kind of the, the sort of transcendent state of awe and spaciousness um, in what just literally takes 15 seconds to do. And after this sort of discovery, we decided as scientists, we wanted to test this and make sure that it was working and helping people. We first did some pilot studies in each of our practices and then we reached out to UC Berkeley at the Greater Good Science Center, which is one of the foremost research institutions in the world studying positive emotions. And so from that, we did conduct two really large, robust studies during the height of the pandemic at UC Berkeley. Um, one group was a group of healthcare professionals, the other just regular primary care patients, and then found you know just incredible uh, outcomes in our studies and have published those and, um, and continue to do more research. So that's exciting is that this is just a... A, uh, an endeavor that is is getting deeper and deeper and really exciting to learn about other people's research in this area and just to see the whole picture of how important the emotion of awe is. And as we call our book, The Power of Awe, you know, it, it's really the most powerful of all positive emotions. I have goosebumps listening to you talk. I am so excited about the concept and also the fact that there's so much science behind what you're presenting in your work and in your book. I actually, I have your book here beside me. I am starting to read it at the moment and I'm very excited about it because my background comes from education and primarily working with young kids. And I think that that's something that I learned as an adult is just the power of seeing how kids can be so present because everything is wonder and awe to them. And there's so much to learn from that as adults. And so I was so excited to hear that there's people out there who are really focusing scientific research on this and how it links to mindfulness and how it can be maybe an easier entry point for some people for mindfulness as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I completely agree. Uh, you know, children are just natural generators of awe and wonder. They they see the world with so much curiosity. Um, and as an adult, if you just witness a child and how they play and how they experience the world, it's like it's truly awe-inspiring in and of itself. Um, and 
I think what we're doing in learning this practice that we teach and our our research is we're really learning to retrain our brains so that we can see the world with childlike wonder again. And we we do lose this um, through a variety of reasons, um, through our, our education process and our aging and just the way society runs and and the demands on our lives. And what we're doing in this practice is just taking us back into the simplicity of really finding um, amazement in the ordinary moments of our lives. And that's what I really love about our research um, is that it shows that it works. And what's really unique is that we're teaching you to, to really have that childlike wonder of the little things. This isn't about where you have to go to the Grand Canyon every day, you know, and have that that expansive, endless view that just blows your mind, that you can actually find awe in walking down to the park with your dog or making a cup of tea and just savoring the richness of flavors and be in awe of like where that tea came from and who grew the tea and, um, you know, and the history of tea and, and be in awe of that. I mean, it's just, there's just, it's endless of like what we can find in our daily life to be in awe of. I love it. I, I think as a concept, even listening to you explain it before we even dive into more detail of what it is, it's exciting to hear it because knowing mindfulness, I know that that is mindfulness, but also knowing people who struggle with mindfulness, I see this as a way that people can become more mindful and integrate more mindfulness into their daily life and reap all of the benefits that come with that for your physical health and your mental health and your just sense of fulfillment in your own life in this really easy, accessible way. I mean, I always say on Fill Up Your Cup, it's about small, right actions. It's not always about big, grand gestures when you're looking after your well-being, but that compound of small right, right actions that build up. And I think that all really aligns with that. So let's let's break it down because for those listening, it is all as in wonder and all, but it's also all as in capital A, capital W, capital E, because it is an acronym as well. So can you explain to us what is all and what does all stand for and how does it work? Yeah. So let me uh, share a little bit about kind of the discovery of the practice of what we call the awe method, the capital A-W-E method. So when we were kind of stumbled on on the emotion of awe, sort of being that experience that takes you to that place of spaciousness and and pure presence, um, all the research prior to ours was was done on extraordinary moments of awe, like really, um, you know, going to the edge of the Grand Canyon or watching a profound sunset. Um, some of the research had people like go in, you know. F- flight simulators or put on virtual reality goggles and like have that overview effect of looking at the earth from outer space to experience a moment of awe. But what we're about and our work and what the awe method is about is experiencing a profound moment of awe in the ordinary times of our lives. So for those that are listening, you know, where you are right now, you can have a moment of awe. If you're at home, um, just look around you and find something that you value, appreciate, find amazing, like a piece of artwork, or maybe you have a family heirloom, or, you know, here I am, I'm in my home office, I'm just looking at, I have a whole bunch of Sharpies, <laughs> and there are all these different beautiful colors, and I'm kind of in awe of the rainbow of Sharpies that I have um, in front of me. I mean, that can be an opportunity for a moment of awe. 
And so what we're doing is we're having you learn to open your mind and to experience on the ordinary moments. And so I'm going to walk everyone now through this three-step practice that we we teach in our studies. Um, I, I just want to put a little disclaimer um, that I know when I am listening to podcasts, I'm usually driving in the car. So if you're driving, just be careful. Don't you know, have such a profound moment of awe that as we call like the extreme awe, we call that an orgasm. Um, <laughs> just be careful. <laughs> approach uh, with caution. <laughs> yeah. Approach with caution, maybe pull over and, and, and just like have an opportunity to just look out your window and really appreciate like a, the clouds in the sky or, you know, looking at trees or something. Okay. So let's talk about the practice. So yes. Um, we'll start with A. That's the first part of the word awe is attention. So what we're asking you to do with A is to bring your attention to something that you value, appreciate, and find amazing. So like just welcome the the listeners right now to just look in the space around you. Maybe um like there's some beautiful artwork or there's a there's some plants or something on the wall, or you can like grab a blanket and just touch it and feel it that is near you. Um, holding your cup of tea. Like I'm just really in awe of this, this teacup that my daughter gave me. And so we're bringing our full undivided attention to something that we value, appreciate and find amazing. And then the W is to wait. And that's where we really just slow down. And in this busy day and age, we rarely give ourselves a moment to just fully be and I think of it as an analogy is when you're walking with a friend and someone, you know, they go in front of you and they hold the door open for you and they're waiting for you. It feels so good when someone takes care of you and like they, they're caretaking and opening the door for you. Well, you're doing the same thing for yourself. You're opening a door of pure presence in this moment of just giving that gift of presence to yourself. And then the E stands for two things. E stands for a nice long exhalation. And when we take a a regular inhale in and then a long exhale out. And you can do that with me right now. It almost, you can make the sound of awe. (sighs) When you take a long exhale out, what happens is your vagus nerve, which is the master computer of your autonomic nervous system. And it's the part of your nervous system that resets our physiology and brings us to that state of rest and repair and healing. We're immediately eliciting a, a relaxation state. And you can just feel it on your physiology. It really grounds you when you take a long exhale out. And so we're eliciting that kind of pure presence by doing that. And then the E also stands for expansion. Because when you have those extraordinary moments of awe, if you think back in your life, you know, often you might feel like a tingle on, you know, the hairs on your skin might rise up on your arms and you feel like an excitement and exuberance of energy. And we're just eliciting that we're letting energy expand in our body. So like we let that moment just fill us up, get it really big. You know, we're filling up our cup of tea in our body really. And we're just letting that energy expand out. And by just consciously doing that, we're just eliciting that moment of awe in our physiology. And so that's the step, three-step practice. And when we teach it in our research studies, um, we do so over a 21-day program. And so we ask people to practice just three times a day. And it, once you get it down, you know, it doesn't at that point, it doesn't really involve any thought. You just are learning to build a, a habit um, and a natural practice. And we ask people to just do it three times a day. And so in total, we're asking for about a minute of your time a day to have these brief micro doses of awe that... Um, as we know, profoundly changes your physiology. 
I'm already feeling more calm just listening to you talk about the process. And I think the the simplicity in it is that that taking that moment to allow yourself to slow down because we do live in a very fast-paced, very busy world. And I think sometimes there's a lot of guilt around that taking a moment to pause and taking a moment to rest that we almost feel like we can't allow ourselves to do that. And so I think this is a really great entry point in that just taking that moment to be present, to really soak up something that you enjoy, it it almost magnifies that feeling of joy, which sometimes because we're so busy, we are denying ourselves. And so, I mean, I think probably the hardest part of the whole three-step process is the weight. So what tips do you have for people who struggle with that part? Because anytime I have a conversation with someone about mindfulness, even about self-care, that's the, the part that I feel like people struggle with is that weight, slow down, give hold space for your yourself. Yeah. I love what you're sharing. And we actually have in our book, um, you know, well, when we, when we first came up with the method, we're like, well, how are we going to write a 300 page book <laughs> about something that takes 15 seconds to do? But there's, there is a lot there actually, not just our science, but other people's science in the field, but also uh, there's a whole, uh, there's a whole backstory that's even more detailed. Um, that Jake shares of his, his, um, studies with his teacher and, um, kind of the bigger philosophy behind the awe method. But, um, one of the principles that we talk about, and this is an important thing you bring up around this idea of waiting is we make the distinction about presence versus force in the book and, and about really applies to our whole lives. So what the awe method is doing on a deeper level is it's teaching us to live our lives with more presence, more allowing, more being, more accepting, more, more what I call, this is what's been resonating with me in my life lately is what I call sacred space. Just really giving myself the the gift of slowing down and just opening my eyes um, to being more fully present and just allowing things to come into being rather than forcing, pushing, rushing, you know, in the spiritual world circles, a lot of people are like all about, you know, manifesting and building and creating. And I mean, that's all good stuff. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it comes from a place of a lot of force. And, and we have another chapter, we talk about what are the conditions that need to happen to create healing in the body and in our minds and our spirits and on a deeper level. And we have to feel safe. And to feel safe, it doesn't come from a place of force and pushing and striving. It comes from a place of allowing and just being open and present. So, you know, if I were to, you know, give tips to people, because um, that kind of comes back to your question, is not to try so hard with this practice. In fact, what we've learned from teaching this to, you know, probably at this point, thousands of people, um, both in our research studies and our clinical practices, is that. When you try really hard to create awe, it you actually it's it's like an impediment to that. It, it it's a barrier for it to happening. It's actually it comes when you let go and you just like open up and just like you know see the world without any thoughts, judgments, you know preconceived notions. And then what will happen is the smallest things will really be profound moments of awe for you. Um, 
which is really exciting. They just sort of bubble up. I think of it really, they just sort of organically bubble up. It's not something that you're forcing to happen. And it is kind of strange because we are teaching people a very regimented practice. But what I tell people is that these are training wheels. So we're just giving you a tool of how to experience a moment of awe in the ordinary times of your life. But if it, if you need to change the practice a little bit or do something a little bit different for you to experience that kind of effervescent experience of awe, then do that. You know, everyone has in a way their own fingerprint or their own signature of how they experience awe. And we talk about that in our book. We talk about this idea that a few, a few principles here. So one is that awe happens on a spectrum. Sometimes a moment of awe can be very subtle. It's just like maybe a subtle shift of awareness, or you notice colors brighter or tastes are more rich. Um, Sounds are, are more full you know, maybe you're just like, you, you feel touched by something in a deeper way than normally you would all the way to that kind of extreme moment of all, which we call the orgasm where you're just like, you know, ready to explode with energy um, and your whole body is tingling. So um, hopefully that, that, that gives people an idea a little bit more about the practice. So my, my next question for you, and, and you kind of mentioned it at the beginning and you have a chapter in the book as well, or a section titled that awe is the future of mindfulness. And we did touch a little bit of mindful on mindfulness at the beginning, and it is deeply rooted in mindfulness, but I'd love to know how awe differs from mindfulness and how people can kind of make that distinction for themselves, or even how awe can elevate mindfulness if if that's its place as well. Mindfulness is a general terminology that incorporates a whole massive number of practices out there today. It goes from like the spectrum of let's say Buddhist practice or like yoga, Hindu practices to Judeo-Christian practices. I mean, mindfulness and and meditation, prayer, mantras, they're rooted in all the spiritual traditions of the planet. So but what we see happening today is um, what I would call like a new set or a new category of practices or their informal mindfulness practices. You know, it could be like a, a mindfulness practice of, of eating where, you know, instead of being on your cell phone while you're eating your meal, not even being aware that you're eating um, and you're reading the news or on TikTok or something, you know, a simple mindfulness practice of eating would be just noticing the sensations of the flavors and really being present with your food. Um, like having a cup of tea mindfully is a very different experience than if you're, you know, on social media while doing that. Um, so it's really about bringing our attention um, to the present moment and then doing it with an intentionality, like you're consciously choosing to do that. I mean, that's kind of, uh, you know, is encompasses in many ways, like what mindfulness is about is intentionality, attention, and with usually uh, an element of kindness or self-compassion and care. So awe would just fit within that subset of informal mindfulness practices. It's one that, um, and, and this like brings up an important point of like why we created this practice from the beginning is that in teaching like a more traditional practice to our my my patients or to Jake's clients, you know, doing things that are similar to mindfulness-based stress reduction. This has been around since the 70s that John Kabat-Zinn created sort of, he brought principles of Buddhism and and put them into a secular format for people with chronic pain and um, other chronic health conditions. And it's been taught all over the world and we 
recategorized for different types of medical conditions. So there's a lot of research shows that it works and it helps people. The challenge is, is for, for, you know, I think pretty much everybody, and this includes myself, even though I've been, you know, I've done many 10 day long retreats is that it's hard to keep a sustained mindfulness practice um, in our lives as, you know, as busy parents, as, as um, professionals, um, you know, people that are connected with our devices, always like sending us alerts and messages and stuff. It's just hard to find the time to go on retreat, uh, to, to even practice at home every day for 20, 30 minutes that is often recommended. And then what happens, unfortunately, is then people, when they fail at the practice and not being able to do it good enough, you know, here comes the self-judgments or the ideas of, you know, force of pushing hard, striving, is then we're, we're, we're hard on ourselves and we feel like we're a failure. And I mean, I saw that with all my students and patients. So what we love about this practice is that it can be done anywhere, anytime, you know, any place I can do this. I'm going, I'm flying down for a family gathering today to Los Angeles. And so we'll be at the airport and can, you know, have a moment of awe on the TSA checkpoint. Um, which for most people is a stressful place, but I can be in awe of, of the people I'm in line with and, and people's quirky behaviors and um, the technologies that, that make that make planes fly. I mean, there's so much to be in awe of going through the travel experience. I just love this practice because it could be brought any place. Like you, you can have a moment of awe wherever you are pretty much at any time. And that's, and that's transformative, right? You no longer, they say in the kind of meditation circles, it's like taking the practice off the mat. You don't have to be on the yoga mat or in your cushion. You can be anywhere. And one last thought I want to share that's, I think, really important is that there is a reward that comes with this practice. You feel good when you have a moment of awe. Like it, you immediately get a reward. Whereas for some people, when they practice meditation, and they do like these sustained long sits, they can be very painful, physically painful, emotionally painful. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because sometimes we have to work through our our deeper stuff and we have to like do that deeper dive. But the beauty about this practice is you have an immediate reward and it feels good. And I think that's important when you want to build a sustained practice um, of something that you do every day. I love, I love that it can be done anywhere because, again, I think a block that people have around mindfulness and, and especially meditation is the need to carve out the space, the need to go and find a quiet corner. And if you're at work or if you're working from home and if you're a parent, finding a quiet corner is not always possible. So I love that awe is a tool to help you reframe a moment that could be, like you said, a stressful moment. Um, and just kind of stepping back out of it for a second to see, you know, to to reconnect yourself with it and find the the awe in just being alive in that moment rather than focusing your mind on what is stressing you or overwhelming you. You mentioned your research, and I'm really eager to to touch on some of that because obviously what we've talked about so far is very inspirational and it's very awe inspiring in and of itself, but. For many people, 
may be listening, they might be thinking, okay, but you know, what's the the benefit? The cover of your book has some big promises as well that you can overcome burnout, chronic pain, anxiety from practicing this practice of awe. So I would love to to hear some of the the research behind that and some of the real life results that you have seen from people struggling with things like stress and burnout and anxiety as well as chronic pain. Yeah, so you know, during the height of the pandemic, which is uh, around June of 2020, uh, when we're all sheltering in place, it was also really a hard time, um, particularly in the United States, with uh, some the George Floyd uh, race riots were going on. It was just a really hard time for you know, of course, here in the United States, but all over the planet for people. And we had enrolled uh, close to 200 healthcare professionals in one arm of the study. And then on the other arm of the study, we had about close to 300 primary care patients. And so what we did is we taught them the all method in a 21 day program. Um, and we did uh, daily measures as well as more kind of pre post longitudinal measures. All we did was ask people to practice three times a day. And so, like I said, you know, it's a 15, 20 second practice. Um, we met with them four times virtually over Zoom um, for about an hour each time and gave them some, you know, the tools to, to learn this practice more deeply. And we actually, by the way, we teach the program on our website. Uh, we're going to be doing um, a live class similar to our research study class Um uh, starting in, in the beginning of 2024. So, you know, go to the power and you can check it out and sign up for our, our upcoming course. But, um, so what would, did we find? So our most um, impressive results, I believe would be that of, you know, seeing a decrease of depression. So we saw, um, a 36% reduction of depression symptoms, um, for those that participate in our program. And at that point, you know, in time, looking at what was going on in, in the in the world, you know, uh, people's experience of depression were just like out of control and people were getting, you know, more anxious and more lonely. Um, and we actually saw, like I said, you know, a 36% reduction of depression symptoms, which on some of the measures, the tool that we use, it actually took people out of like even being defined as depressed anymore. They were like back in the normal range. Um, which is just kind of mind blowing from like a, you know, again, very simple practice. It takes a minute, a day to, in total to do. Um, and our results, by the way, are equal to pretty much that of taking medications. I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying medications don't have a place because they definitely do. There's definitely a need for people to, some people to be on medication for their depression. Um, but uh, we saw equal results to some of the pharmaceutical treatments out there. We also saw a decrease in anxiety of about in the one of the cohorts was 24% reduction in anxiety, which um, again, uh, just, you know, kind of mind blowing how easy this practice is and how much of an impact it has in people's physiologies, both, you know, in their brains and their physical bodies. Um, as I already talked about decreases in loneliness, um, a big one, you know, being in healthcare. Um, and how stressful the pandemic was for doctors and nurses is that we saw a decrease in healthcare, healthcare professional burnout, which is really huge. Um, and we like, you know, looking at other studies that have been done, like our results were kind of, you know, mind blowingly good compared to some other studies that have been done around teaching doctors mindfulness. Um, we saw like, you know, our, our results were about double the efficacy of other studies um, and, and an easier practice, you know, just something we ask people to do for about a minute a day. And one of the really neat things um, of what we discovered is what's called the dose response. Um, and that's where 
basically the more that you dose awe throughout the day, the more benefit you had. So three times a day was a minimum that we asked people to do. But if you do this six times a day or 10 times a day, um, you know, you can set your, uh, your watch as like a little reminder and like, Oh, this is my moment of awe. Just pause whatever you're doing and like have an experience of awe. The more times you, you do this, the more benefit you get, which is really profound. It's incredible. I mean, the fact that this study was done in the height of the pandemic and to have those results off the back of it just really speaks to the power of this very small but impactful action that you could still get those results in a moment that it was probably very difficult to do a study like this or ask people to try and find a moment of awe when most of us were focused on the opposite of that. So I think it really speaks to the simplicity of the practice and and the power of the practice in in those results, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah, thank you. Um, it is really incredible. Because uh, uh, I'm in awe of what we discovered and and what's what happens in the body with awe is just so, so awe inspiring. Um, I'll just share a little bit about that. Um, this isn't my research, but other people's research at, at UC Berkeley and trying to understand like what's happening in our physiology, like in our blood and, and the chemicals in our body. When we experience awe, they measured and took blood samples of people with different positive emotions and looked at inflammation in the body. And there are, um, what are called inflammatory cytokines. And I'll just share briefly about these the cytokines. I think the story behind them is like really awe-inspiring. When life began on earth, you know, close to about a billion years ago with like single cellular organisms. I mean, the earth is 4 billion years old, which it's so it's like, we can't even grasp that like in our concept of time, but um, you know, just like how this planet was formed and created. And then just like the the primordial soup that created the early building blocks of life to happen. And then I think, I think mammals have only been around not even like close to 250 million years on this planet. So um, it's just like the whole spectrum of creation of life is just, wow, like so much awe there, but the earliest cellular organisms, when they would communicate with each other, they communicate with cytokines and they're basically little protein molecules and they come in, I'm going to make this very simple here, but sort of two flavors. They're either going to tell um, the other organisms around them that they're safe, or they're going to say that um, I'm unsafe, you know, there's danger here. And what is like, to me, so awe-inspiring is that this very ancient system is the building blocks of like our current design of our immune system today and inflammation like we have these same cytokines that have been on this planet for close to a billion years in our own physiology like it's the it's like how we work and so we have um a whole bunch of cytokines that say they're they're called safety cytokines like you know healing can happen we're doing well like it's like fighting cancer and it's doing all the good stuff to keep us healthy and balanced in our immune system and then we have, have those inflammatory cytokines when we are have an infection There's, they they're what make us have a fever um and to fight off infections well the problem is is that when we're chronically stressed and we're taxed and we're like um overwhelmed they're constantly under stress and then that causes all these inflammatory cytokines to circulate in the bloodstream which cause diabetes and obesity and cancers and asthma and all these other like chronic health conditions that uh 
we're, we're facing um, that are, are like, you know, literally killing people. So what's really amazing about this whole story about awe is that when they measured people's blood values and they had them experience different positive emotions, um, awe is the only positive emotion that had a statistical significance of lowering infl- inflammation, these inflammatory cytokines in the body. And the big bad boy is IL-6. Um, and that's what they measured in interleukin-6. Um, yeah, I'm just like, wow. Like, So I have this positive emotion experience um, of awe. And what we now know more about awe is that awe is really this this kind of master emotion because within within it comes, you know, feelings of connection, of generosity, of of gratitude. Um, it has a like really profound, um, kind of far-reaching impact. But on our physiology, it lowers inflammation, and this this is creates a state of health and well-being. And that's huge. Um, so it's not just an emotional experience that we're experiencing with awe and how it impacts our mind and our spirit, but it also positively impacts our our physical body. I have goosebumps listening to you explain that because as you're you're talking and and even going back to the beginning of the story of of where these cells within a, within us originated from and our lived experience now is so stressed. It's so pressurized. It almost feels like awe and all of these studies are are coming at exactly the right moment because it seems it is the thing that we need as a, a human community to, to reconnect on a really basic level to, you know, the real purpose behind why we're here. And, and that's just, you know, making the most and the best of the life that we have. Um, so thank you for sharing that because that was not just, I mean, scientific and fascinating. It was also just so much, uh, impact and and almost spirituality in, in what you just said there. Yeah. And that's what I, one of the things I really love about, um, the field of studying the emotion of awe. And I know we're probably wrapping up here and I wanted to read a little bit from the book because I think the, the epilogue, um, would be a great closure for our conversation today because, we talked a lot today about how awe is a personal practice. It's really like we see this as something much bigger than just the the, the individual self, but more on kind of a global uh, consciousness level. I would love if you could share that with us. So the awe method is more than a self-help technique. And the implications of awe go well beyond personal transformation. Awe touches everything. And perhaps most telling is the effect it has on others. We're wired to attune to others' behaviors and moods. Our nervous systems, senses, the emotions of those around us. Just as being the recipient of a warm smile can lighten our mood, when we're in awe, those around us feel it too. Awe is contagious. And so practicing the awe method is one not-so-small way we can contribute to the world. In this book, we've covered how the awe method is grounded in science and that a whole body of science supports the awe changes lives. So we have a big simple crash ending to the power behind the simple practice of the awe method. If practiced frequently enough by enough people, a critical mass as it were, everyone would experience a significant heightened shift in consciousness. Awe changes us and when we share our awe, we change the world. How can we be in awe of someone and physically or emotionally harm them? How can we be in awe of the natural world and destroy it? 
how can we be in awe of life itself and not live as if every day were a miracle? In awe, the tone of every conversation from personal to political shifts from having an agenda to being open and curious. Our conversations impact how we raise our kids, how we help our aging parents, how we treat our spouse, how we participate in community, how we mentor or supervise people, how we govern a city and how we lead a nation. We can think of no downside to practicing the awe method because awe is the light, the appreciation of nature and different cultures, the curious and open mind, the generous and giving soul. These days we need awe more than ever. So awe awaits you and surrounds you in the ordinary moments of your life. Like the view of the stars that fill the night sky, awe is free and always available. All you need to do is pay attention to what you value, appreciate, and find amazing. Wait, and then exhale and expand into the unlimited timelessness of awe. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Again, I have goosebumps. I'm so excited about this whole conversation and I'm so excited for our listeners to learn more about all. And if they do want to do that, where can they find more about this incredible practice and all of you and Jake's amazing research? Yeah, so you can um, visit our website, thepowerofawe.com. And it really is sort of the central hub of, of what we have out there going on in the world, you know, our, our offerings of classes and we have a, a new free ebook and some downloadable meditations and a newsletter. And then we just love hearing from people. So if we have any questions with the practice or, or you want to share a story about how this has helped you, um, feel free to write me. You can write me at michael at the power of awe.com and I'd love to hear from people and be of support if I can. Um, you can also follow us, of course, on social media. We have, you know, on Instagram and Facebook as well and LinkedIn. But um, yeah, thank you so much for uh, inviting me to be here and um, to share a full cup of tea together. Uh, I really, I'm in awe of the work you're doing. I just love your 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 artistry and the message you're doing out there in the world. Um, when I when I got contacted about us getting to a podcast, I was so excited and just seeing the work that you're doing and your creativity. And I, I feel like you're really channeling awe in your life because of when you know when we're in awe, we're in our most like creative place and do the most, you know, you know, easeful, beautiful work that we can put out in the world. And I just just really admire what you're doing. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that has just filled my heart so much hearing that. And and also just, I mean, before even coming across your book, my, my fiance is always joking that I am the kind of person who will just literally stop a car to admire something or just in the middle of a conversation be like, oh, look at the lake or look at the moon. And so I feel like this is something that has been a part of the way I've been living my life and being able to, to see it be, you know, put down into this research and and in this book and learn how to experience it in a new way is very exciting for me as well. So I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Before I let you go, I always like to finish with the same question. Obviously, this is Fill Up Your Cup podcast. Um, So how do you keep your cup topped up, Michael? Well, um, like literally and figuratively, (laughs) I, so what I, love about the awe practice is that um 
I start my day with it every day. And it's by actually making my cup of tea or a cup of coffee. So I actually fill up my cup and, and I, um, I love starting my day with a moment of awe and the experience of making, you know, coffee or a cup of tea. I love that. What a, what a, what a, an incredible way to end this conversation, which I think has been very awe-inspiring as well. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us, for sharing your knowledge and your inspiration with us. It has been an absolute joy. If you made it to the end of this episode, I hope that you feel a little less alone in your personal development journey and a little more inspired to do something today to show up for yourself. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast streaming app or platform. And if you want even more weekly inspiration, then head on over to Instagram or Facebook and follow the show as at fillupyourcuppod. Remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So do one small thing today to pour into yours and start creating a life that feels good for you.